0: Jesus gives us a single command today. Be vigilant. Watch. I'm coming, you can count on that, but be ready, watch, be vigilant. That's what Jesus commands today. But as Jesus talks and, and kind of illustrates what this looks like and he gives his examples, and as we pay attention to the other readings of the church given today, there's kind of these hints. there's kind of a background to what Jesus is talking about. And that background is the Mass. This points to one way, I think, and probably the most important way, that the church fulfills Jesus' command to be vigilant. Jesus says, be vigilant. How is that fulfilled? Well, in part, and maybe the most important way, is the church fulfills Jesus' command to be vigilant by celebrating the Mass. When the church celebrates the Mass, we're doing what Jesus asks and for fulfilling what he commands. The gospel today speaks about the Master coming in secret and an hour you do not know. At the Mass, the Master comes in a hidden way. And the church, that's all of us here, trains herself to watch in secret with expectant faith. That is to watch for the master who is coming with faith. Jesus in the Eucharist can't be seen with physical eyes, but he's really present. But he's really here, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And we exercise our faith, and our faith reveals that he's really present. Expectant faith reveals that the master is here present at the mass, that the master arrives in secret as Jesus spoke about in the Gospel. How about this? When Jesus describes that, when the Master arrives, Jesus describes what this looks like when the Master gets there, he talks about how the Master is going to wait on his servants, like a waiter at a meal. That's not what you might expect if you're listening to Jesus' words. After all his talk about Masters coming, servants needing to wait for him and be attentive and be ready, and hours that you do not know. What you might expect is that when the master gets there, the servants wait on him. Not that the master would wait on his servants, but that the servants who are waiting for their master should be ready to serve him. But it's exactly the opposite when Jesus speaks about it. This is true of the Mass as well. Fundamentally, at the Mass, God provides for his church. Essentially. God provides for his church. Jesus provides nourishment for the soul in the Eucharist. Jesus provides nourishment for the soul. For every challenge, every difficulty we could ever experience, Jesus can fulfill and supply in the Eucharist. In other words, the master comes and he waits on us. He serves us. Jesus is for his church at the Mass and Jesus is for us. At the Mass, the Master comes. At the Mass, the Master comes, and he serves. Maybe the most important, though, is that Jesus gives himself a true treasure at the Mass. There's a saint, St. Thomas Aquinas, from the 13th century that that can help illustrate this, I think. St. Thomas Aquinas was a brilliant man. He's one of the greatest theologians our church has ever seen. Absolutely brilliant. He was a big guy. And it was said that uh, at his dinner table, there was a little spot carved out for his belly so that he could fit and slide right in and be close to the table still. Father Johnson was kind enough to do this for me as well. (laughs) In our kitchen. St. Thomas, when he was young, wanted to become a religious, a Dominican. But his parents and family opposed him joining that order because it was a new order, and it wasn't very well uh, respected. And his family, oh, and a special part of the order was that they embraced poverty in a unique way, similar to the Franciscans, same time period. And his family knew that they had this talented son, and what they expected for their son was a great career. And if he were to become a religious, he needed to join an order where he could maybe become the abbot or something. So even if he's a religious, at least he still has power and access to possessions and stuff. So his family had much different expectations for him, not poverty. That's not what they wanted for their talented son. So his family did what any of us would do, I think, if we were at, uh, in opposition to our child's, uh, our child's vocation. They kidnapped him and locked him in the family castle, as one does. <laughs> after, after, being, after being locked up for about two years, they eventually relented or escaped one of the two. And he did become a Dominican and a great theologian. But there's a beautiful story told about St. Thomas at the end of his life, at the end of his career as a theologian and as a Dominican. Thomas was, without question, the greatest theologian of his time. He is well known throughout the church, he had written much, and he had done a lot of important work for the church. Thomas was at prayer one day in his chapel before the crucifix, and it said that Jesus spoke to Thomas from the crucifix and said, you have written well of me, Thomas, well done, you've done well, what reward will you receive from me for your labor? After all this good work that you've done, Jesus asks Thomas and acknowledges the good work he's done and then he asks, "What reward what do you want from me for your good work?" Thomas's response, "Nihil nisi te." Nothing except you, Lord. Just you, Jesus, that's all I want. Now, obviously, Thomas Had never seen Aladdin. (laughs) He doesn't know rule number one about when genies pop up and promise wishes. When I was a kid, anyway, the accepted strategy, when a genie came and offered you a wish, is the first thing you do is you ask for more wishes. Then they never run out. You can keep getting what you want constantly. But Thomas, Thomas got, Thomas understood. The most essential thing. Jesus isn't just the giver of gifts like a genie answering our wishes. He is the giver of gifts. He is good, to be sure. But He's not just that. And He's not like some sort of genie. Jesus is Himself the gift as well. He is Himself the gift. And when one possesses the most supreme gift, the treasure that lasts, the heavenly treasure, when one possesses Jesus, in Jesus, you already possess everything you could ever want. When you have the greatest gift, you already possess everything you could ever want. He satisfies for eternity. And without Jesus, outside of Jesus, anything you think you possess, you really don't possess. One doesn't come to a desire for the supreme gift, Jesus, and one doesn't come to possess the supreme gift, Jesus, by somehow suppressing or eliminating other desires that we have, other gifts that we want. Like, for example, the gift that I want most right now, and that's that football would get here a lot quicker. Coming to a desire for Jesus doesn't mean I have to suppress that somehow or think that it's in opposition to possessing Jesus. One doesn't receive this gift by first making myself perfect and feeling worthy of the gift, like I've done enough to earn it. I don't have to listen to those kinds of thoughts or feelings that I'm not enough, that I'm constantly falling short or not doing enough for God. We actually say this at every single Mass. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. I'm not worthy to receive you, the greatest gift. And yet we still approach him with confidence. So no, we don't suppress stuff. But we do aim for the highest peak. We do set ourselves not on lower things, but on the highest thing, the highest gift, Jesus. No, we don't approach worthily. But we do approach with confidence in Jesus' goodness. Knowing Jesus is the supreme gift, knowing that Jesus is the supreme gift, the gift that, as the gospel says, no moth can destroy, as only the gospel can put it. The gift no moth can destroy, the gift no thief can take, and treasuring that great gift. Knowing he's the supreme gift, and then treasuring him. That's a bit of heaven already. And so, yes, this supreme gift, too, is at the Mass. The church fulfills Jesus' command to be vigilant, to watch, as we watch with expectant faith for him to arrive in secret. The church is fundamentally served and supplied and nourished by the Master at the Mass. And God gives the supreme gift at the Mass to his church. He gives himself. He gives Jesus.